I have also seen the use of robotics where districts have invested in a robot for a student that was battling cancer and could not come to school. This robot, Wi-Fi enabled, could move throughout the building, would go to classes. The kid could be in group work with students. She could talk through it. So I think robotics is going to be a way to really help our learners who physically can't get there. But I also think it's going to help streamline a lot of facets that that we do, not get rid of jobs. It's going to create new opportunities where we can invest in people to really take ourselves to that next level. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, everyone. I'll bet you knew that there were teacher shortages in K-12 schools around the world. But how familiar are you with the opportunities AI and digital technology are creating for those who want to serve teachers, school administrators, and students across the globe. My guest expert, Eric Scheninger, speaks about this and some other great opportunities in the field of education on this episode. To learn more about Eric, listen to the episode and check the show notes. To learn more about how my business can help you share your story on our Voices in the Spotlight show, or to learn more about our other services, check out our website, www.jeff dashostroff.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Now, before we get started, I want to say a few words about the International Council for Small Business, or ICSB. ICSB was founded in 1955, and it's the oldest and largest nonprofit organization devoted to small businesses internationally. To learn more about ICSB, please visit their website, www.icsb.org. And please let them know you heard about ICSB on the Looking Forward podcast. And hey, if you want us to mention your organization on the show, please contact us for more details. Okay, let's get started. Hi, Eric. Welcome to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Great to be here, Jeff. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on. You're a prolific book writer on your area of expertise, and we love having guests like you on the show who are authors as well as experts in what they do. Speaking of expertise, Eric, you're an expert on school education in the digital age. Can you tell everybody when you got involved with that, why you got involved with that, what led you to all this stuff? First off, I have to gently push back on the word prolific and expert. In both cases, I kind of fell 
being at the right place at the right time. Okay. I'm a big believer that experts, I don't know if there are any experts today. I think we're all learners. Mm. And as we learn, the whole idea is how do we help others construct new knowledge so that they can do their best work? And in in a sense, we are helping them become the experts in their craft. Prolific, yeah, I've written some books, but that kind of goes back to my story. I didn't believe in any of this ed tech stuff. I blocked and banned social media in my school. When I was a high school principal, I chased students through my building. They were terrified of me. And when I caught a student after chasing him in my suit, he thanked me for creating a jail out of what should be a school. And that was kind of the first indication that my actions weren't really setting up our students to be life ready. Because if they don't like school, how can we get them to develop the critical competencies needed? So then that weekend, I was sitting at home when I used to live in New York City, and I read a newspaper article about Twitter. And I read the article because I'm like, oh, people use social media. They're losers. I don't (laughs) have time for that. Friendster, MySpace, Napster, ancient (laughs) social media. I wasn't on any of it. But as I read the article, the light bulb went on, and I saw a connection to my professional practice. You will not find anyone that's successful who's not an effective communicator. And I got on social media to be an effective communicator for my school. But then it got creepy. And I do what a lot of other people still do a lot. I lurked. I lurked in the social media space of Twitter. And I learned how far behind my school was, how my mindset was fixed. And it was those two moments in time. You're a failure, Mr. Scheninger, getting on Twitter that had my light bulb moment. And that's when I really began to learn how to unlearn and relearn and eventually lead my school to be one of the most innovative institutions in the country and in the world because we improved achievement in the process. But through my sharing on social media and helping my school improve outcomes, I got solicited to write my first book through DMs on Twitter, Jeff. Wow. And that's <laughs> how I got my start. I never met my co-authors until the book was published. Now, after successfully working with my staff to transform teaching, learning, and leadership, since 2014, now in my role, I assist schools, organizations, districts all over the world to do the same. It's a great story. One thing that it illustrates, Eric, is that it is very important, no matter what our age, to have an open mind to things that are out there, to be willing to make changes and to learn, which is what you talked about at the very beginning, because you were shutting yourself out from this relatively new now, relatively new medium, more new then, but you've realized, you know what? Maybe it's not so bad. Like a lot of things, it's got bad purposes or could, but it also has some good purposes. And it led you to your book. And then you said something else that's so important, whether it's happening on social media or not, is you collaborated in writing that first book. I'm a strong believer in collaboration. You know, as I'm listening to you, I was held back by either fear or comfort. And when we look at the inhibitors of change, Comfort and fear are the two things that hold us back from reaching our potential. And if we can't reach our potential, how can we help those that we serve? All of us in some form or another are servant leaders. But if comfort inhibits progress, if fear inhibits us from taking that step, taking that risk, we don't change. It's so true. It's absolutely true. 
One of the things that you're doing, Eric, as part of your work in the digital age of education is tracking trends. What's going on around the world? What are some of the trends that you're seeing, Eric, as you're meeting with these other individuals who are leading schools and leading the field of education? Well, I will tell you right now, the number one trend in education is the number one trend globally, no matter the occupation, and that is artificial intelligence. Wow, even in schools. Oh, when you look at ChatGBT, you look at Google Bard, in education, we don't know what to do with it. <laughs> and the knee-jerk reaction is to block and ban when it can be a really good asset. I just used it earlier today, literally right before we got on, <laughs> to solve a complex problem that I was having. I was stumped in terms of how I was going to write and respond to a, a potential client. But I think that grappling with the moment where you know, Siri, Alexa could answer who, what, where, when type questions. But now, how, why, explain, rephrase, revise. So I think we're all trying to grapple with where does artificial intelligence fit in terms of supporting and enhancing our work. And like anything, we have to be cognizant of some potential pitfalls. Thinking about social media, there's a lot of pitfalls with artificial intelligence as well. I think the other trend that we're looking at, it isn't really as much new. From an education perspective, there's still a great deal of growth in terms of how students and educators are using technology in a purposeful way. The pandemic forced our hands in education spaces to try to get as many devices in the hands of our learners as possible. But there was no real job-embedded ongoing professional learning support. Also, that is key to any business sector, any company is that ongoing support. So those are really the two main trends right now. Also, just looking at the social and emotional health of adults in education spaces, because especially here, there's a lot of different pressures and challenges right now. So those would be my three trends. Artificial intelligence, purposeful use of technology, how we really move the needle, and really making sure we're taking care of our well-being in classrooms, schools, organizations. Eric, this may be something we'll come back to later, and it may be just a U.S. thing, and this show is not just U.S. There seems to be a great teacher shortage, okay, K through 12, which is what we're really focusing on here. Is that shortage limited to the United States, or is that a shortage that is happening in other parts of the world? Many of the things that we see here are global challenges. One of the challenges, you know, some countries have figured it out. Countries like Finland, who pay their educators top notch, people want to be in that profession. When we look at competitive balances, when you look at a lot of other countries, there's a lot of more private schools. When you look at Australia, you look at India, there's a lot more choice in private schools than that. But you still have the same challenges when we look at inadequate pay, programs that are not adequately getting educators up to speed, the pressures from different groups and factions that kind of make educators rethink, well, why am I going to go into this profession? And the long hours, no, no matter what country you are, whether you're a teacher or a leader in the hours, you don't clock in and you don't clock out. 
The shortage is globally, we have to really elevate the education profession because without education, literally all other professions don't exist. So when we think about elevating the profession, paying educators what they are due, and really providing that sound professional learning support, I think there's some ways to start to turn the tide, but we have a long way to go. Yeah, I can imagine. You've cited quite a few examples of why we have a long way to go. Before we get into opportunities, which is the thrust of the program, I wanted to also ask you, one of the beefs that I've had with the education that I received, which is quite a few years ago, but I'm not sure how much this has changed, Eric. I don't feel that I, nor even my children, were taught enough of what I would call the life skills. How to get along with people, how to manage your money, how to find a job. What might you want to do in your life? Has that changed much in the United States? And do other countries do a better job of that? Preparing people for living as they become adults. Well, what you just described is many of our experiences. School was something that was done to us, not something that we innately saw the value in. When you look at the structure of a school day, there's periods, there's bells, desks in rows, <laughs> long breaks. That's not the real world. And to answer your question, the majority of uh, education systems across the globe are rooted in an industrialized model that was completely created to get people to go into the factory, go to the farm. And that mass model of all students doing the same thing at the same time, the same way, yeah. which flies in the face of how we learn. We all have different preferences, different interests. You talk about the skills. What about just the competencies? You know, you can be skilled at throwing a baseball, hitting a baseball, but totally incompetent as to how to play the game. And you bring up a really good point. Kids don't get jacked up about the curriculum. No kid comes home and says, oh, the standards. No yeah. kid comes home, oh my God, I had an amazing day today exploring the standards and going <laughs> through the curriculum. No, right. when students are excited, when we're excited, it was that personal connection with an adult. It was being able to see, not be able to tell, well, what did I learn? But why am I learning this? How will I use it outside of school? How will it prepare me to be a well-rounded individual? And in a world today, we are living right smack in the middle of the knowledge economy. And now it's on steroids with artificial intelligence. Mm. We can get knowledge, but if you don't have those essential competencies, creativity, communication, collaboration, self-regulation, time management, if you don't have all those, the ability to be empathetic, to reflect, to identify that failure is a great opportunity to learn. If we don't prepare our learners for that, the world's going to keep moving forward and we're going to be stuck in the past. Yeah, well put. And people, you can't see me nodding my head, but I'm nodding my <laughs> I head. I see you nodding my head. But it's true. We know that us as adults don't want to sit in a meeting and be talked at for 45 minutes to 50 minutes. We know that we want to be up, moving around. We want to have that discourse we want to have real-world problems to solve, and we want to use real-world tools to do real-world work. So we have to think about how does our classrooms, our schools, our systems, how do they reflect the reality where our learners are in right now? 
because they're in these digital spaces. They're creating TikToks. They're collaborating. My son does that on Twitch all the time. He self-regulates. He builds his schedule. He goes and Twitches and makes all this passive income. Yeah. But because of those competencies, and again, he's managing money. He's managing his time. He's building networks. He's creating content. All those elements are embedded in almost every single profession, those critical competencies. Yeah, I totally agree. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation, and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Eric, Looking Forward's focus is largely on opportunities. We like to shine a light on those for people, whatever their age is. I alluded to the fact that there is, at least in the United States, a teacher shortage. Yep. I don't know if there's a principal shortage or allied professionals in education. You mentioned AI. You mentioned technology. Are there job opportunities, career opportunities for people to get into those areas, whether they're here in the United States or elsewhere? Are there entrepreneurial opportunities to start new schools, new programs, provide educational tools for kids? Perhaps there's investment opportunities. I don't know. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there is an immense amount of opportunity, particularly here in the United States, to fill teacher and leader positions because there is a max exodus right now. However, many schools have learned from the pandemic that we can ill afford to go back to that's the way we've always done it. Most dangerous phrase in education and many organizations. You know, if we continue to do what we've always done, we'll continue to get what we've always gotten. Right. And when you think about it, entrepreneurial thinking, that's one of the reasons why I'm here. I hired this teacher librarian who created a makerspace in our library. 3D printers, simple circuitry, snap circuits, students building working computers from the parts we were throwing out. And she used this entrepreneurial mindset basically to create our version of college technical training, CTE. But what she did was... She partnered with other makers, the local farm, a person who actually fixed bicycles. And what we did is we connected that entrepreneurial thought process in our school and showed students a world of opportunity where you identify a problem and you come up with a workable solution. So when we look at makerspaces, we look at school design. That's huge right now. So when you think about investors, you think about companies 
And it's not just coming in and saying, hey, we're going to redesign your space. Yeah, you're going to spend lots of money. We're going to redesign the space. But if they're able to talk about the changes, the teaching and learning that can occur and are able to supply evidence with that, the best investment we can make in a child is their education. And I think when there are opportunities, and there's always opportunities, schools will take money from all of you anytime. <laughs> but I think we got to be really specific as to, hey, we're going to offer this amount of money, but we want to have a plan. How will you develop an innovative idea, which isn't just new, which isn't just better, but there's evidence to support it. And when we look at all the immense means that we have now to support our learners, you know, you look at different technology tools. Our parent company is Hope Mifflin Harcourt, one of the largest ed tech companies in the world. And we have adaptive learning tools that can respond to the individual needs of our students, whether they need to grow or we've got to push them even further. Read 180, Math 180, Waggle, Amira. These are all tools that study after study have shown can improve outcomes for kids. Looking at how we provide more relevant, meaningful curriculum, but also how we're able to collect data to pinpoint where our learners are and where they need to be. I think there's a wealth of opportunity, but it all comes back to is there has to be that inherent sense of value in supporting education, which is one of the challenges that we have. Yeah, very good illustrations of specifics. You mentioned AI and you talked there at the end about some software. Do you see a lot of opportunities then for creators of AI tools and software tools that can be used within the educational system, no matter where somebody is globally? Jeff, that is a fantastic question because I am getting peppered with requests to try out specific AI tools that are geared in the education space. So when you talk about opportunity, I don't care what profession you're in. Yes, I identified the number one trend in my opinion, AI, but there's so much opportunity to create, invest in artificial intelligence tools that are gonna help us to maximize the potential of, and it's gonna go so much further. You can set up bots in ChatGBT now that can assist your coworkers. I'm actually working on a post right now, leading with AI in the education space. Wow. Yeah, I think AI and any evolving technology, people are going to need, because like people are afraid. People are afraid of evolving technology, and that really becomes a prime opportunity for investors to ask the right questions, because questions are more important than answers. So... For investors, for entrepreneurs, for creators, what problem are you trying to help people solve? If we lead with that, and then people can see how your creation, your tool, your innovative pathway can help them do or help them do their best work. I think then you're really onto something. Very good opportunities. I love the way that you've taken AI or anything, Eric, including investment. And you're saying to people, think about what it is that you're creating and how it can be used in this case, practically within a school setting K to 12. How can it benefit the students, the educators, the principals, et cetera? We like to on looking forward because we're all looking forward to look into the future a little bit, right? But we don't ask our guest experts to look 30 years out. Forget it, right? You mentioned COVID. No way. We're not going to project anything. Who knew? 
for the rest of the decade. If you had a guess, Eric, your guess is better than most because you know this area very well. What changes might you see happening in the world of K-12 education in this digital age? Will the trends continue that you've talked about? And will this open up more opportunities or maybe not so many opportunities? What are your thoughts? Well, you already answered the question, Jeff. You just don't know. Okay. You said a key word. Oh. Project. Project. What I see in the next decade is the use of hologram technology to project speakers, professional learning, trainings that is going to revolutionize not just education, but everything that we do. A few years ago, we saw that technology if we were watching, I think it was Dick Clark's Rocking New Year's Eve, where someone was projected in using a hologram. It's going to save costs. It's going to expose students to perspectives from all over the world. It's going to allow us to bring people in that in time-friendly fashion, maximizing time. So holograms, I think, are going to really be huge. What's not is looking at the metaverse-like technology. We've seen that kind of sputter a little bit. I think that's going to take a little bit longer. But another thing we are going to see, which we are right now too, is an increase in leveraging robotics to do what we do. I was in the United Club in Chicago a few weeks ago, and literally I got somebody, I thought, brushed up against my left side. It was actually the robot (laughs) that collects all the dirty glassware and plates. I have also seen the use of robotics where districts have invested in a robot for a student that was battling cancer and could not come to school. This robot, Wi-Fi enabled, could move throughout the building, would go to classes. The kid could be in group work with students. She could talk through it. So I think robotics is going to be a way to really help our learners who physically can't get there. But I also think it's going to help streamline a lot of facets that, that we do. Not get rid of jobs. It's going to create new opportunities where we can invest in people to really take ourselves to that next level. Holograms, robotics are huge. I think down the road, we will, and we've seen this in education. There used to be a program called Second Life, which was an immersive environment. And that's what we thought Metaverse was going to be. But again, it's easier said than done. So I think it's going to take some time to, to get to that point. But that's the two big things that I see in the future from my lens. Sounds very exciting. The robotics applications, very interesting. And holograms, who would have thought? One of the things we love to do on Looking Forward, Eric, is to have our guest expert provide our listeners with some practical tips, couple, three, whatever, that will help them get started on the way to seizing one of the opportunities that the expert has spoken about. Can you please do that? My number one tip be to read my books. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and there's seven of them, right? Seven. Uh, you know, I think that, and this tip is what really got me to where I am right now. Going back to my original story, social media took the blinders off. So I think one of my tips is to really look at how you leverage social media for professional reasons and create your own personal learning network where you can learn anytime, anywhere with anyone you want but you have to have a focus. You have to have goals. You have to be able to filter out a lot of the baloney that is out there. Yeah. And I use basically every social media tool on the planet. 
with 90% of that use being to how is it going to help me be a better leader, a better learner, so I can better serve others. So that would be tip number one. Tip number two is we all grapple with changing our professional practice. No one really likes change. We don't. The only group that likes change at scale are wet babies. That's about (laughs) But when we think about change, you have to do two things. You have to be honest about where you are, and you got to embrace vulnerability. And you are so terrified by that as adults. And that's why we do not break free from the mental walls or cells that we put ourselves in. And tip number three is to model that vulnerability and honesty. It's okay to say, I don't know, and I need help. That is a sign of strength, not weakness. We are made to think that we are weak if we ask for help. No one knows everything. Case in point, you can just ask Alexa, Siri, AI, and they're going to tell you that. But being able to understand that you need help really helps put you in a position where, again, going back, you don't need to be an expert. You need to be very effective at what you do. You need to have other people, by building that capacity, your role is to support others in doing that great work. So those would be my kind of somewhat generic tips that I feel can be applied to any profession. Great tips. I'm going to ask you for one more. If you were advising either somebody who's going to college or maybe they're going back to school because they're pivoting, right? Or they simply want to bone up as it relates to opportunities in education, K-12. to What would Eric Scheninger say to them? What should they take? What class? What course? What might they need to do? Yeah, I think there's two courses. The psychology course is, without a doubt, so important. But you also need to take a digital technology type course because what we really need in education space is these forward thinkers who can really challenge learners to think by leveraging technology because whether we like it or not, that's the world that our learners are living in. And that's when it becomes really fun. I'm in classrooms every week. I'm teaching to model. I'm helping teachers and administrators. And what's the most gratifying part is when I see them start to do the work, not because they have to, but because they want to. And that's really key, especially in the education space. You have to want to make a difference. Education is a calling. It is. And we need the best of the best to go in and prepare everyone else who's going to be the best of the best in their respective field of work. Yeah. Excellent point. Eric, this has been terrific. I would like you to let our listeners know now how they can learn more about you, about the International Center for Leadership and Education, your books, which you briefly alluded to, and anything else that you would like them to know about. Yeah. That's one of the first digital principal award winners going back to 2012. I am all over the place. I actually was just in Saipan working with schools. I'm going to Dubai. I'll be working with multiple schools out there in the Middle East. So I'm an easy person to find. So if you do a quick Google search, Eric Scheninger, you'll find my website. You'll find all of my tools. I still do, even though Twitter can be a little bit of a dumpster fire these days, I'm still on Twitter a lot for those professional reasons. All my books on Amazon, the two that really speak the most to the conversation that we've had today, Jeff, Digital Leadership, and you can use that book even if you're not in education. 
and disruptive thinking in our classrooms. And we talked about that. And what's disruptive thinking? It's how do we help our learners replace conventional ideas with innovative solutions to authentic problems? And that's kind of what we're talking about today. Yeah. Also, we've done a little rebranding in the last, actually today is the first official day that we've moved from the International Center for Leadership and Education to the Center for Model Schools. We believe that every student should be in a model school, a school that focuses on their gifts, that really focuses on opportunities to grow, that provides personalized pathways, all this great stuff. Yeah. Thank you. Center for Model Schools? Yes. That's the new name. Will that be a new website as well? Center for Model? Yep. Yep. It's all in progress. Look hot off the press literally a couple hours ago today. That's exciting. And just to be clear, everybody, Eric's last name, S-H-E-N, like Nancy, I-N, like Nancy, G-E-R, ericsheninger.com. We'll also post it in the show notes. And while he says he's easy to find, I'm going to add that he's easy to find virtually. But to try to find him in person, boy, you'd need one of these sniffing dogs that would go around and find him because he's on the move, as you heard him say. Eric, this has been great. Thank you so much for being our guest expert on looking forward opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. Jeff, my pleasure. And everybody out there, good luck. Keep learning. And no, you don't have to have all the answers. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.